Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Well, back to the opening verse of 1 Thessalonians and some of the lessons that we are learning that apply to what we have examined in the background of and the opening salutation of this epistle of Paul. In the opening verse says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very eager to go on from there to verse 2, but we started down a path of application that I think we need to conclude before we go on. And I've been talking on the last couple of broadcasts about the subject of gospel strategies. Paul clearly used a strategy in his missionary labors. That's why he came to Thessalonica, to whom this epistle is written, after he departed from Philippi, and went no place in between, even though he traveled a hundred miles to get from one to the other. And there were other towns along the way, some of whom are named, or some of which, I should say, are named in Acts chapter 17, verse 1. But he skipped them. He went first to Philippi because it met the requirements that I have suggested he was looking for. And then he skipped several other locations to come to Thessalonica because it also met the requirements that Paul was clearly looking for, namely, cities large enough, in most cases, to have a a synagogue. Almost every city that Paul went to had a synagogue, and they were only found in the larger cities because a fairly sizable Jewish population was necessary to establish a synagogue. Thessalonica had a synagogue. As far as we know, there were no other cities between Philippi and Thessalonica that had a synagogue. So Paul was looking for a synagogue, but he was also looking for influential cities in the sense that their population size and the activity which they generated commercially and sometimes militarily brought a lot of people traveling to and from that city on a regular basis, which made it a strategic place to plant an ongoing gospel witness, a gospel church, so that the, the desire would be that God would save people when they visited that city who would go back to their location or to other places they traveled and take the gospel there so that the the labors of the Apostle Paul would be multiplied many times more by picking such strategic cities than they would be if he labored in a rural area. 
Now, before I go on, I pause to welcome you to this Friday, February 16 edition of the Beacon Broadcast and remind you of our financial needs and thank those who are led of the Lord to help us with those requirements. I am not suggesting that no one should go to the -the out-of-the-way places. In fact, just the opposite. I just suggested that those who were saved in the cities who came from a small village, who came from a rural area, some of them would undoubtedly fit that description, should go back to their hometown and or home village or rural farm community and preach the gospel to those who are there. No, it's not that nobody should go to these places. Actually, Paul's strategy was that by doing it this way, people would go to all of these places They would go to hundreds of places, maybe in time thousands of places, and he couldn't do that. One man can't do that. So it's not that nobody should go to these places, and if God calls you to one of those places, I am not suggesting you shouldn't go. I'm just simply pointing out what Paul's strategy was and why he did it this way, and the general principle, therefore, that strategizing for the most likely way to make your labors effective is not unbiblical, as some people think. Paul did it. But then I've gone on to point out the dangers of thinking that any strategy that appears to produce visible results is a good good strategy, a God-honoring strategy, and so we should follow that. So we've got churches all over America today that are endeavoring to copy the ministry of somebody else. This man was successful, and he held a seminar, and I went there, and I learned how he did it, and I'm coming back to my church, and I'm going to change things to do it the way he did it so that we can be successful too. And what I've observed with this is several things. Number one, sometimes those borrowed strategies do prove to be visibly successful in another location. But notice that I said visibly successful because visible success is not necessarily the same thing as eternal success or spiritual success. But nevertheless, sometimes it works. But it's also in the sense of visible results. But it is also evident to me by my observation that more often than not, it doesn't work for a variety of reasons. In other words, in many cases, it produces no visible success. In fact, in some cases, it produces disaster. Coming back and changing the traditions and customs, excuse me, of a church that aren't necessarily wrong, but that's not the way the other guy does it, we've got to change it to the way he does it, has destroyed a good many churches. There's a lot of immaturity and lack of wisdom that often gets mixed in with these efforts to copy somebody else's strategy. And furthermore, and here's the danger that I'm most concerned about, if the gospel is changed in any way to make it more attractive, we, we, what we're looking for results, right? And preaching a, 
a straightforward gospel message calling people to, to acknowledge their sin and repent of it, calling upon people to become followers of Jesus Christ, which means sacrifice for Christ, calling upon people to be willing to lay down their lives in this life in order to honor the Lord with their lives and to uh, enjoy the rewards of eternity in the world to come. Uh, that, that's not a very popular message in our day, is it? So many people today are looking forward to success in this world. Have your best life now. Come to this church and we will teach you how to be more successful financially. Come to this church and we will teach you how to have a more successful marriage. Come to this church and we will teach you how to have more friends. Come to this church and we will teach you how to be more influential in this way and that way. And on and on it goes. How to be to be more healthy. And, and of course, all of us are, are interested in these things up to a point, I suppose. Again, it's not that any one of these things are necessarily wrong. It's not wrong to be successful financially. But if that's your main goal in life, that's wrong. Then you are serving mammon, money, rather than God. You can't make that number one. You can't make that first. But, but many ministries are, are predicated upon that. And therefore, they're attracting people who are looking for these things in their lives. Boy, I go to that church and I learn how to be more successful financially and on and on and on it goes. And the church grows. It's big because a lot of people feel like they're getting help in these areas that interest them more than anything else. Yes, more than anything else. Yes, more than Christ. Yes, more than serving Christ. Yes, more than suffering for Christ. Yes, more than sacrificing for Christ. Yes, more than being willing to be persecuted for Christ. No, I'm not interested in any of those things, but I sure am interested in being blessed financially and in my marriage and so forth by Christ. And churches like that will grow big, but you see, they have distorted the gospel. And that's wrong. And as I was explaining previously, you can distort the gospel either overtly or covertly. And a lot of what I'm concerned about are efforts to make the gospel more relevant to modern society. Society has changed, we are told. And we've got to get with the program. You can't do ministry the way it was done 50 years ago or 100 years ago. That worked back then, but that won't work today. Well, now, think that through for a moment. Are you telling me that the gospel that Paul preached 2,000 years ago will not work today? Oh, no, 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 that's not what we mean. But yes, in many cases, that's what it turns out to be, even though you would say that's not what you mean, that's not what you're saying. But the tragic truth is that in an effort to become more relevant, churches in our day have actually become irrelevant. When churches become so much like the world that the world can't tell the difference between the world and the church, then you have lost your power. You've, you've lost your spiritual appeal. Granted, people in whom the Holy Spirit is not working 
are not going to be attracted to a, if I could use this terminology, an old-fashioned Bible-centered church. But if God works in their hearts and draws them to himself, if God draws people to want to know what the Bible actually teaches, if God draws people to want to know what the true gospel is, if God draws people to want to become serious followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, which if God doesn't do that, then what have we accomplished? We've got lots of people who are all here for the wrong reasons. And you can see what happens so many times if that popular preacher leaves town, the whole church implodes. It's gone. Because people weren't there for the right reason. They were there following a man instead of following the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of these things that are often used to make the church more relevant, that is, more appealing to modern sensibilities, are actually changing the truth of God's Word for the lies that society is embracing in our day, and increasingly so as time goes on. And so we end up with all kinds of things, such as the great debates and divisions that are going on today over whether or not it's appropriate for churches to ordain practicing homosexuals. And one group of people will say, well, of course it's okay. That's being loving. And God is love. And on it goes. But the problem is, it's contrary to what the Bible teaches. Yeah, you've made the church more relevant. That goes right along with what the world says is right and true. You're very relevant, and you're very heretical. You're very wrong. You're very dishonoring to God. You have changed the truth of God's Word. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.